areas. Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind, in your heart. Gain new knowledge, get a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ in memory of my sister. And I am so excited. I have four of the most amazing authors that are going to talk about my favorite topic, crime, true crime, and I just added fictional crime. And if those of you that watch these programs, yeah, Fran watches this, all this, my favorite is See No Evil, Vanished, I Thought I'd Get Away With It, and everything. And um, I don't see Vincent. I just told him to recall in. So I'm going to text him the number. So Charles... Oh, here he is. There you go. I it kicked me off twice, so be prepared to get kicked off. Well, the the world is kicking off today. What can I say? So, Vincent, we're going to start with you and pick on you first because you said so. Um, We're going to talk about crime and true crime and how would you define it. But what are some of the true crime stories that you focus on, or do you create the crime yourself? Because that's fun, too. Oh. But anyway, um... I, you know, I don't really do true crime, and I never have. And what I do is, mm-hmm. but what I will do is, I will reflect what's happening in, you know, currently. Um, for for instance, I'm writing a story over here in Italy uh, uh, called uh, it's in it's in my Metaman series, mm-hmm. and it's called Cashless. It's called Cashless Fail. Um, mm. So like, you know, Cashless Fail to come into it. Um, in one way or another, and and I'm you know I'm always all my private detectives are always like discussing, you know the state of crime or you know you know whether mm-hmm. it's bad or you know if it happens to be, you know not so bad at the time or whatever. So but you know, but I never really delved into actual true crime like like Dick. I'm, you made a career of it with some of your stuff, but um, you know. I, I, I try to, you know, pretty much. If, if I do crime, you know, I, I like to exaggerate and, and lie about stuff and mm-hmm. all that thing <laughs> stuff. So, you know, I'm much more comfortable with that, using my imagination. Well, you're getting me into it. I'm learning, but not quite. Charles, but you're the king of true crime because you <laughs> you write that, I know, because you put it on the Internet every day. So how which yeah, what kind of story do you put you you really are good, and I and I read them, and now I, I'm watching all those two crime shows, so maybe I'll learn how to deal with that. Or you never know. <laughs> how would how how would you describe? And how do you pick which ones are you going to post? And how would you combine do define true crime besides the fact that it really did happen? Well, well, true crime is actually crime that's happened. Uh, I 
I, I can't divulge how I choose them, but um, but I have a source mm-hmm. that that I can go to to get get them um, every day. Uh, and it was just kind of a fun thing for me to do. I've actually kind of written a true crime book. I, I mean, more likely I, I use true crime um, to inspire me for uh, several of my books uh, are based mm-hmm. on true crimes, but they're but they're not true crimes. But I did. Um, do a, a true crime book in a way. There was a, a wonderful reporter by the name of Jean King. I don't know if you know her, knew her, Dick, but she, she wrote um, mostly, I think, for UPI and AP. So she was doing, uh, and she covered crime, and she um, got a contract to do a book on the, um, the Kimes murders. Uh, that was a, 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 a mother and son grifter uh, team, uh, and uh, it was... Uh, they actually made a movie out of it, who came into um, a woman's uh, life, uh, a woman by the name of Irene Silverman, and took over her brownstone and murdered her and then took all her possessions, including the um, the brownstone. Actually, they made a TV movie out of it with Mary Tyler Moore playing uh, Sante Kimes, the, the mother. And um, Jean tried to write a book about it, but she was a, um, a, a reporter, and she didn't really know how to do a book. She'd never done a book before. So I was hired to, um, to, to book doctor that book. So I, I wrote it. I took all her, the stuff that she had, and I rewrote the book, and it was called Dead End. So I've done uh, a true crime book, and actually the, uh, the book Devil in the Hole, which was based on a true crime Originally, I wanted to write that as a true crime book, but I couldn't get a contract because at the time, no one knew what happened to the murderer. He disappeared. And editors and agents said to me, well, you can't do a true crime book that, where there's no solution. And so that's why I wound up writing it as a, uh, as a novel, because I couldn't do it as a true crime book. Well, I loved it because that was the first one that you sent me. Mm-hmm. That was that. That was the first one. That was great. So, Lee, what's your take on this? And what, when you write the desire card, God, that series scares the daylights out of me, especially the last oh, good. one. Uh, yes, you you succeeded in scaring you up. Uh huh. Except There's I really could use the desire card to get something done that I want done. Too bad like this doesn't yeah, exist. I hear you. So, <laughs> so what's your take on this? Seriously, and then Jeff will talk about his take on it. Sure. I, kind of questions. similar to Vince. I mean, I've never written true crime before. I, I'm firmly a mm-hmm. fiction writer and comfortable in, in, in that. Um, but I do find myself, like, seeking out true crime books and TV a lot. Um, and I mm-hmm. feel some of it kind of seeps into my books a little bit. Like, I just watched, like everybody else, the Dahmer show on Netflix and was quite absorbed by that, for better mm-hmm. or worse. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I always feel like influence-wise that kind of um, permeates into my books. But um, I, I think there's people who are better than that than me to really take on true crime. And I'm best when I'm just making shit up. Well, uh, most people make up, you know, exactly that, yeah. And my my new book is based on true stories that happen that are not exactly wonderful, and I'm proud of myself because I'm getting a little bit better at it, but not great. Um, nice. So, Jeff, what about you? Yeah, so I, similar to um, to the others, I, I have not written a full full on true crime story that mm. is nonfiction, um, but I, I definitely will use 
real crimes as inspiration and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the pine box vendetta which i know is one that you you read it um mm-hmm. you know it focuses on two political families and i i wanted to you know have this vendetta that i portrayed mm-hmm. and and have one of the heirs that was stained by you know a secret from long ago and something that um you know a crime that maybe they didn't they didn't really do the time for but their clan protected them from and um that really affected them throughout their career and tarnished the legacy and tarnished you know kind of the the heights that they could rise to and so for that i definitely looked to you know ted kennedy and chappaquiddick and stuff like that and so um, you know, there was a case where I certainly used a true a true crime kind of situation or mm-hmm. kind of an alleged crime, and and took some of the circumstances of that and used it to to provide a lot of the flavor for the novel. Um, because I think you know you know the thing that is compelling about true crime, you know, for me as a reader, mm-hmm. a lot of times is that you know the true crimes a lot of times are stranger than fiction. I mean, it's a cliche, but I think it can mm-hmm. be true that all of us, you know, when we write crime fiction. Um, there are patterns and tropes that we fall into, and no matter how good we are at it, um, you know, there's a certain pattern that um, that tends to emerge in novels. And I think with true crime, I mean, every every one is unique. Everyone has something screwy about it that you, you know you watch and you think, boy, if I was writing a novel, I never would have done it that way. But you know, that's the way it shook out. And so I think uh, true crime stories have that that kind of air of of you know, going outside of the pattern and, and, and each situation being so unique that uh, that I think we try to pull some of that into our own fiction just just to give it that freshness that true crime sometimes has as a genre. Did you ever write a story? Because I just read one, it was fantastic, and I'm waiting to get a uh, an interview with the author. Did you ever write a story about a true crime? Um, this guy wrote a story. It's a true story. It's called Mark for Life. He was wrongly accused, and he was a victim of a true crime, and he didn't commit it. Did you ever use that in any of your books? His name is Isaac Wright, Jr., and it's called Mark for Life, and he was in prison for a crime that he never committed. He's now a lawyer, so I'm waiting to talk about it. Yeah, it was really tragic, so... Do you ever use any anything like that? Like a, no, you know I never have. But wrongly accused. Yeah, I can't speak for. I mean, I I know as a writer, I think I would I would feel some some pressure because it <laughs> it seems like mm. you know there would be a, a a real responsibility to take on you know writing about a real mm. person and not only just any old real person but somebody who you know who who'd been a victim of the system in that way and I know that there are people that do it and do it very well. Um, for me, you know, like the others who are used to making things up, uh, I, I I wouldn't go up to it without a whole lot of legwork uh, to be sure of what I was putting yeah. on the page. Yeah, I can I can agree with that, Vincent. What about you? Um, when you decide to pick your criminal, this is a good question. When you decide to pick the guy that's going to commit the crime, how do you decide who to pick? Because it's so original that I keep the lights on when I read your book. Seriously. Um, I don't know. It's just sort of like I always give you the same answer every time. I'm like a robot. Um, it just sort of yeah. works itself out. Um, and you know, I, I don't really think about it. I just start writing, and these the characters start developing, and and you know, I don't. And Quentin Tarantino said like after a very you know 
a certain amount of writing, like the characters start developing the story themselves. And, and you know, and I'm discovering, you know, what the characters are doing. Um, so that's basically how I write it. But I have almost no idea. I mean, unless, you know, unless there's somebody out there that, like, you know, I don't like, <laughs> I, might, I might sort of put him in there as a bad guy or, or, or whatever. I've definitely done that. There's no question about it. And, there, in fact, one book that did really well, I'm not even going to mention it, and won a couple of awards, had this one guy in it who I just mm-hmm. despised up in Albany. And uh, um, and the Ford Orange Club in Albany had, like, this book night, and, like, they invited myself and another author to read and all this. And it's one of these really stuffy clubs. And he shows up. And his girlfriend mm-hmm. at the time, you know, you know, there's a question and answer period, and the girlfriend asks me, do you ever put real people into your books? And yeah. I knew damn well what she was, she was getting at. And I was like, well, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe, you know, I change the name or whatever. But uh, one other point I wanted to get across, though, was like Matt, uh, Matthew was talking about the, the Dahmer show. I started watching that a couple weeks ago up here, and I actually had to, like, turn it off. I was like, yeah, it was disturbing me so much. <laughs> and mm. which, what I find really interesting is that, like, I can write something like, Paradox Lake, which is even worse than anything Dahmer ever did, and be perfectly comfortable with it, be perfectly comfortable with my skin. But then I'll watch something like the Dahmer thing, and I'll be like, all right, this is, this is like fucking me up. I can't watch this. It's just, it's just, it's getting, it's getting, it's getting to my head. And I, and I can recall when my mother read, started Paradox Lake, she, she was like, I had, I, I'm sorry, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't get through the first third of it. It was too disturbing for me. I'm sorry. I'm your mother, but I, I couldn't read your book. You know, so. I loved it, but you know what? Then you should watch See No Evil. You should watch some of the this stuff I watched. Jeff found See No Evil. I thought I'd get away with it. Um, Undiscovered yeah. Secrets. Oh, my God. These Fogans are so scary. I think he's trying to get me to have nightmares. They're really good, and they're all true stories. Yeah. But how do you, I mean, how do you solve that? A real-life crime is hard to write about. But once you decide about the crime, is it, is, is, is it always murder or is it something else that everybody writes about? What crime do you write about and how do you find the details to write about it? Because I'm, try, I'm trying to learn how to understand this genre a little bit better. And Vince, you're great. But Charles, your, your, your last book was really different. You had a brand new character that you chose. How come? Well, and he keeps... The last one the, the, uh, that I read, the coal in the... Um, Canary in the coal mine. Canary in the coal mine, yeah. How did you decide to change the character from my favorite Henry Swan? Well, first of all, I rarely write about murders. That was a... um, Yeah, I know. That was a a kind of a more traditional murder mystery, although it was more than that. And, And the reason is because I don't think I have anything to say new about murders. I mean, if you watch a week of television, what, like... A hundred people get killed in all those shows, mm-hmm. and so I, I I concentrate or try to concentrate on other kinds of crimes. So, for instance, in one of the Swan books, Swan dives in. You don't know what the crime is until halfway through the book, and by the end of the book, mm-hmm. you're not even sure there was a crime. And um, it, but but the reason I, I changed with Canary in the Coal Mine is 
I wanted to, mm-hmm. there are two things that I don't write well about. One is violence and the other is romance. And so I wanted to challenge myself and, and write a character, a new character, who was much more violent than any of the other characters I'd um, written. And I yeah. wanted to see um, if, if I could pull that off. Um, I still haven't done the romance thing and probably never will. But uh, So that's why I, I did it, is I wanted to, to try a more traditional kind of murder mystery although it becomes a lot more than, than that. Um, it, for me, murder is an excuse to write about something else. That, that's interesting. But when you're writing a murder mystery, I think, I don't know, the hardest thing is to decide who is um, who the person is that's going to commit the crime. Because the, the villain, Vincent, is a, is a pro at this, and so is Lee. Um, Lee, how did you pick the characters for the Desire card? Because... They were all bad, most of them. Yeah, it's a That's pretty what I love. rough yeah, and, and the fact And the fact that you pick famous names of famous people that I liked, I said, well, maybe they, maybe Lee's got something that I don't know about. Maybe he knew something. How did you decide that? Um, well, it was twofold. So in, in the Desire series, it's about an organization that promises any wish fulfilled for the right price. And it's really a glorified mm-hmm. hitman operation. And because there was going to be five books, or I think when I started it, I thought there was going to be three, mm-hmm. um, there was so many characters, and it, it made sense that they all were incognito and that they were recognizable. Um, I'm a lover of old movies. The series is quite noir. So it made sense if they all wore lifelike masks of um, old movie stars. So that way, mm-hmm. the yeah. audience doesn't have to remember this cast of like 50 characters and who is who you remember them as Marilyn Monroe, Humphrey Bogart, and that each character has a little bit of a connection to the, the Hollywood mask that they choose to wear. Um, so it kind of started out of a little bit laziness. Like I didn't want to describe all those characters. Um, but I think it really wound up working for the series and, creating these new versions of these old car- these old people that, you know, we've watched over the years. Um, and what was your second question, Fran? I'm trying to remember what my second question was. How did you how did you create their personalities and the mask oh, I yeah. wanted the Mar- I wanted the Marilyn Monroe mask because I love Marilyn Monroe. And yet when you when you get to know what they look like afterwards, I'm not going to say how. I was like, oh right. my god, they should keep the mask on. Yeah. So sad. Well, so I the, often want I leader, often want one for myself. The the leader of the organization, Clark Gable, um, really collects yeah. these broken individuals. So, like the Marilyn Monroe character, um, her face was sliced up from a, a mugging when she was younger, so she's never felt comfortable in her skin. The Marilyn mask allows her to become like this new persona. Um, so there are all these kind of scarred individuals that he, like a cult leader, kind of you know creates mm-hmm. and manipulates, moves around the chessboard um, for his own kind of pleasure and you know his own kind of sick pleasure. Um, mm-hmm. But I think what's interesting about the series is because it spans almost 50 years you meet these characters at different points in their life. So, you know, the Marilyn mm-hmm. we meet when she's quite young. She's in probably her late 20s. Um, and then we meet her again when she's, um, you know, basically in her 80s as well. And 
whole life has kind of spanned between her, and she's a very different Marilyn than than the Marilyn that we knew at the beginning. Um, so it was really cool to kind of you know go on this journey for a couple of years with these characters as they went through their own life journeys. Well, I like Catherine Hepburn too, and I felt bad. Jeff, you you did something different though. This just proves I have the the stuff in front of me, people. I had to go back and check this out to make sure I was right. You used political. Sure. Owen Gallagher is ghosting to the gym. How come you use politics that was different? It, you know, and I, you guys don't, you know, I'm reading a book now. I won't tell you what it is. And um, I will tell you that the character is a spy. And I will tell you that the whole plot is really not good. And... The premise that she was asked to take—I <laughs> mean, who who takes a spy and tells them that you have to take my niece with you to New York on a on a boat in 1917 in order to watch her so she goes to school? Duh! I don't think so. So that one is is one, yeah. Um, so how did you decide on politics? Seriously? And well, the American. It's great. Yeah, it was a, it was a funny choice because I really I really hate talking about politics with you know family and <laughs> friends and even neighbors or something like that like we all probably do. Um, but you know I felt like politics if I was starting a series and I wanted to set up a scenario where we could have a lot of conflicts and storylines. Uh, I felt like the political realm is one that you know has seeped into just about every part of you know life now mm-hmm. and. It's part of news and science and everything else we do. So, and, and I am also somebody who is not comfortable. I, I don't really like to write about murder. I mean, sometimes there'll be in a murder in my mm-hmm. story is because it's it can be a kind of a, an overarching uh, event that everything else has to fall off of. But I don't write a lot of kind of detective stuff um, because mm-hmm. I don't I don't have as strong a background probably as some of the other folks on the call. So I like to have kind of average Joes or, or Janes be be my protagonist. Um, and so with the world of politics, you know, I wanted to set up two different clans that were always fighting. You know, one was conservative, one was liberal, and they were always fighting. They could be fighting over an election. They could be fighting over some kind of a business venture or some kind of philanthropy. So um, in this story, I wanted to set at an old uh, college reunion and it seemed like the way to get these two clans fighting, to have them be on opposite poles politically, uh, was just kind of a rich a rich setting for that. Um, and then once you decide that that's the way you're going to go with politics, there are all kinds of, of sorted characters you can assign to the clan. You know, you can have fixers that are doing, you know, underhanded deeds. You can have candidates who are, you know, on the one hand have this public mm. persona of being good and always saying the right thing that have a completely different personal life so i just felt like it was something that even though i didn't like the you know surface uh topic of politics it just seemed like it was right for for uh plot events and uh and conflict well vincent i have a question you sort of this okay. is different the girl who wasn't there sometimes that makes right. me feel like it that that was my favorite by the way so, but that was different. Okay. That you sort of like went off on a different path. How did you decide to do that? The girl who wasn't there. We won't say what you know who wasn't there and why, but it was different. It was not like you know, it was crime, but not really the same kind of crime. How did you decide to write that? Because I told my nieces not to go anywhere unless they tell me where they're going. 
ever? Um, I think I was in Lee Matthew Goldberg's apartment and I stole the manuscript. <laughs> I was like, really? Did I do that too? I don't remember that. <laughs> no, um, I, I don't know. I, 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 in fact, but I do remember talking to Lee about this, and I came up with the name first. Uh-huh. And it was, no, yeah. and it was when it, it was during that period where, like, the girl who went grocery shopping or the girl who, you know, went to school was. You had to have girl in the title. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, yeah. so like, I, I came up with a girl who wasn't there. And I think, you know, and, and it's the title was also loosely based on, just like Lee, I'm I'm a big, you know, I watch a ton of old noir movies. But, uh, um, you know, and, there, you know, there's like the man who wasn't there and all that. So, like, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I just switched it with the girl. And uh, at the time I came up with the idea, I was just, going through a, yet another breakup um, with uh, oh. with Laura, and I was leaving my daughter at the same time because they're a package deal. And uh, so that's how, that was how it started. <laughs> and and it, it was like she wanted to be alone with her teenage daughter and, was, and take a sabbatical. And, and once you know that, you know, an attractive woman with her attractive teenage daughter are going to be mm-hmm. alone in the woods, you know that it's going to be, it, it's going to be a train wreck, right? You know, something bad is really going to yeah. happen. So, so that's how I came up with it. That's why I told my nieces never to go anywhere unless they call me from wherever they are in whatever state they are. Now, you just brought yeah. up something about woods. How do you decide the scenery or where this crime is going to take place? That that matters a lot because it has to be some place where it would actually scare someone, or they wouldn't be there. Was it a lonely? Or do you ever kill anybody right on the street? What kind of scenery, Charles, do you pick when you decide to write your book? And I still want you to bring Henry Swan back. Sorry. Um, you know, I know that 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 scene is really important and place. Yeah. Um, for me, for me, it's not it's not as important as um, character. So mm-hmm. um, I, uh, it's it's often really arbitrary as to where I um, where I set things, um, and and I don't uh, I don't write uh, horror, so it's not really mm. important that I have a you know a, an old house in the country or something mm-hmm. where no one goes. So um, often the I'm one of those writers who I can't write uh, as well about some place I've actually been to uh, as mm-hmm. opposed to someplace I haven't been and I can research mm-hmm. and imagine what it's like. So um, it, 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 uh, a, a lot of writers, it's, it's very important where they place a story. Um, for me, as I said, it's not quite as important. I'm more interested in how the characters might react to the place they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. in. Um, so it's uh, one of the other guys probably can give you a better answer about how they choose the the, the scene and the place. Well, you teach you of some really strange places for you for the desire card. How did you pick the different the different? Each book was different, and each book took yeah. place in a different place. So how did you do that? Because, like I said, I'm doing this because I, I need to learn how to how to do something like that. It's interesting, and I was just asked to do the strangest thing, and I did it. Yes, I don't know if I did it right. And you guys could probably do it better. I was asked to write a six-word story. 
like a shred of a story. They said, well, <laughs> don't ask what I, with a prompt, and I was like, this is not me, and they just did it just because they said, why don't you give it a shot? And I go, yeah, probably hate it, but I don't care. I tried. So how do you how do you decide the different scene in, in the desire card? And for those of you that didn't read the series, you should really read all of it. It's really good. Hello? Hello? Lee? Did I lose Lee? It was for Lee. Lee, are you there? Yeah. <laughs> so how do, how do you choose the different scenes in the Desire card? Because each book was different. I can't hear him. Is, is Lee, I, I think you lost him. Yeah. I think you lost yeah. I think we lost him. I didn't. Yeah, I think we lost somebody, but I don't know who. Yeah. He just lost him. Okay, so Jeff, how did you decide, or or Vincent, how did you decide the scenery where it's gonna, where your characters are gonna be, so they scare me? Uh, well, for me, like I, 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 again, it just sort of comes to me. Like I knew, like for the girl who wasn't there, I knew I wanted them to be up into the in the woods. Um, yeah. But or uh, some, you know, I mean, like the, any place can be scary as hell. I mean, your own bedroom can be one of the scariest places in the world if you think, you know, there's a home intrusion. Um, so, mm-hmm. like, it just sort of it just kind of develops organically for me on its own. Or, you know, I'll see a particular place um, and I'll be like, uh, that, that might make a great setting for, you know, a crime that, you know, it's four walls, you know, it's, it's three walls and there's just no getting out of it unless you fight your way out or something like that, you know. So um, the story, I guess, would determine, you know, I mean, your story idea or your basic story idea would sort of de- sort of determines what your, what your scenery is going to be or maybe just the opposite. Maybe, you know, you pass by some scenery and you're like, I want to develop a story around this little town in upstate New York or something like that. Well, that, that, that's hard because, you know, oh, there he is. Let me get Lee back on. That. I don't know what happened. We lost you. I don't know how. This has been happening a lot with Blog Talk. I don't even know how it's happening. So Lee, how do you cho- how do you choose yeah. the different scenes, the different settings for the Desire card? Because I read all five books, and mm-hmm. they're not they were all different, and the main characters yeah. of each book were different. So how did you decide where they take place? And I always wanted to yeah, be in a so movie, I, I but I don't say, want to I don't scare know people. The, the, each yeah. book is a different person's interaction with the organization, yeah. either from the outside or the inside. Yeah. Um, and since the organization is international, it really had to take place kind of all over. Um, I'm, I'm based in New York City. I know New York City, so that was sort of the home. Um, mm. But it takes place in Macau. It takes place in Mumbai. It takes place in the jungles of the Amazon, in Mexico. Um, and it really just gave a, a reason to do research or go to a place that I've always been interested about and then Mm. put it to paper. Um, The last book I was on like a real deadline and I needed, needed to finish it. And I had spent some time in, in the Amazon jungle on a trip. So Mm. it made it easier for me to set it there because I knew it rather than doing extensive research. It originally was all going to take place in Mexico, um, and I was going to go there and, and do the research, and then COVID kind of happened, and it just didn't work out. Um, but the, mm. the jungle I knew, and then it, it, it wound up sort of, I think, becoming 
the, the ending that it needed, like it, it being better than I intended by changing the, the, the locale. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just gives the books more flavor to kind of make them as international as possible. And also potentially could help you get like a, an international deal, even though I didn't wind up getting any of those mm. for that. But All I know is that it, all of your books have given me eye strain because I pick them up oh, and yeah. sit down and read them, especially Moonlight Schooled. Okay, so Vincent, how did you come up with the, I love that character? He's like my favorite. Oh, you know what? He's got my, this he's whole got my thing wacko is, this, personality. I love him. He's I know, like, Moonlight. How did yeah. you create him? Um, how did I create Moonlight? But I, I have a confession to make. This whole thing is about Uh-oh. true crime, and, and Moonlight Gets Schooled is based on, is loosely, loosely based on a true story. Um, See that? But other than that, that, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's loosely based on a true and I knew, And I knew the person who did this. But anyway. Um, I, I came up with, all right, well, after my first, I, you know, I got this big deal with Delacorte back in 99 and, uh, you know, it was a big deal and all that stuff. And for two books and, and both books basically, you know, you know, didn't do well. And, uh, so I had to come up with a whole new character and, and I was like desperate at the time. And like, it was this close to suicidal as I'd ever been. So I came up with this character who, gets so drunk he like puts his 22 to his head and at the very last second when he's going to shoot himself he he diverts his hand but his but his he pushes the trigger and a piece of 22 caliber hollow point enters into his brain and lodges itself right beside his cerebral cortex so it doesn't kill him but but what it does is when under times of stress it gives him it he makes it forces him to, it swells, and it forces him to make bad decisions and things like this. But also now, I mean, if it shifts, he could either die at any time or he could slip into a coma at any time. So he just doesn't give a shit because he lives his life, minute, not even day by day, but minute by minute. So he's, he's like crazy. He's, he's just a crazy dude. That's why I like him, because he's unpredictable <laughs> and you never know what he's going to do. Those are those are the kind don't. of characters that that are great. Now the other question that I have is well before I forget I better not forget because everybody's going to yell no. Um, on Monday the twenty eighth I have um, yeah the thirtieth I have Nunzio's way twenty eighth the last uh, I have the last pray we have a list from something or other fifth <laughs> uh, the seventh I have Adam Sykes in landslide and on the eighth. Someone we all know and love, Dick Belsky, it's in the news, and he would have been here today, but hopefully he'll be here that day. And I have on the 20th, because I'm not going to go through all of them, on the 20th I have D.P. Lyle. He's going to do Tally Man. I'm so excited. And um, I'm going to – I put in the show for the for the for for February 20th for Wrongly Accused, and I'm hoping that the author – of um, no, we're going to do some writing style. But the author of Mark and Crime would like to do a, a, a panel with anybody that wants to talk about being wrongly accused. Okay, so here I go again. Um, does anybody ever write um, just a, a minor character that takes over the the major character in a book? Did ever take a minor character yeah. and yeah. just rewrite yeah. it? You know, how do you do that? Because that would be interesting. Well, well, for me in the in the Swan series, 
um, Goldblatt doesn't appear in the in the first two books, um, only in the third. Yeah. And he he took over, so that he became a, a major character in the in in those three books. And I didn't mean him to be, but um, mm. as as yeah. you guys know, sometimes you write a character and it just uh, it, it takes on a life of the, of its own and it just keeps going. And so I, I think people. Were, were more interested in him than they were in Swan after a while. So mm-hmm. so it does happen, and it has happened to me. We're yeah, going to bring Goldblatt back? Going to bring him back in a series by himself? Cause I, uh, one. I, I, I don't think he could um, uh, manage a series by himself, but you never know. Uh, the Swan series is over, but um, you never know. So I, I'd never say never. <laughs> yeah, I, Jeff, what do you I have? Also, do I you also have? had a situation like that where... Uh, oh, good. Uh, my my book Black Quest Forty, which was is kind of like a diehard in a San Francisco uh, software company, mm-hmm. had a lesbian computer programmer named Deb Bollinger who was just kind of anti-corporate, anti-establishment, just you know mm-hmm. a whole lot of attitude. And she originally appeared as just a bit character in a manuscript that I was talking to some editors about, and that was about something totally different. It was just at some other office in the Midwest and. You know, she she just kind of showed up, and I had a you know, and both of the people I showed to said, "Boy, I really love that side character." You know, I wonder what you know, wonder what her story was, and so I kind of pivoted from the book I was writing to really give her her own story. And you know, we talked about setting and character and how those things relate. You know, I said, "Well, for her to really have the most impact on a story, it probably you know, let's put it out in San Francisco. Let's put her in this big kind of corporate situation with the corporate training and you know, a lot of mumbo jumbo." you know, boss talk and stuff like that. So that was a case where, for me, you know, uh, a minor character really uh, just kind of seized the stage and insisted mm-hmm. on having her own her own story. What happens if you want to write... Um, my new book is called Faces Behind the Stones, The Accused, and they're all true stories. Do I have to... I don't, they're all true stories about people that are dead, seriously. So they're telling the story behind the gravestone. Do you have to change the name of the character? Or if you're writing about an incident or something that happened to you in real life, do you, can you write, use the per- people's names or is it best to change their names if you're going to write something you, you like that? Well, that that would be up to you, but um, you can't defame mm-hmm. the dead. So um, you could legally, in terms of legally, you, 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 could, yeah. you could use their real names. The question becomes, yeah. would you want to, because um, you may know people mm-hmm. in common or, or you might hurt yeah. someone's feelings. So uh, you know, I, I think that's up to the particular writer in the particular instance. Right. Yeah, hey, well, guys, I did. The first I, one is, is change names. Frank, I have Go to on. run or else, Char- or else Charlie's going to have to pay my phone bill. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm very long distance right we'll, now. We'll, but, get, uh, we'll, we'll get Chip to do that. We both have the same agent. Right. We'll get Chip yeah, to pay your Chip, phone yeah, bill. Chip will do it. Yeah, he can afford yeah. it. All right, you guys. Yeah. Great talking to you. Thanks for having me, friend. Thanks, Vince. Bye, Vince. So I, I don't know. Uh, Lee, I, I, think I, you were I saying... agree with you that changing the names is right. But um, the first story is about someone that I work with who told me the story before she committed suicide. And I changed the name because she worked with me for a lot of years in my school. So I did that, yeah. But what happens if, you know, you, you well, actually you know, Fran, use the I, real name? Well, I've, I've done that, but I've done that, but I asked the person if it was all right. 
And I don't yeah. mean just the name, because I use names of people all the time. But I actually used her story. She had a great story, mm-hmm. and I asked her permission, and she was she was fine yeah. with it. Um, I, I wouldn't write about someone's dead, life. <laughs> yeah, well, if they're the dead, family. you don't have to worry about it. Right. If you, yeah, if you I, don't have to worry about them if they're dead, but you do have to worry about their family. Will, will it hurt their feelings? Yeah, no. Will it embarrass them? Um, that's why I pretty much changed change the stories, yeah. Because I, I, I just wanted people to know that, that this really happened. Um, so one final question. We have, we have about 15, 20 minutes. Um, if you could write about anything, uh, any, kind of, any kind of story besides murder or something, would you ever write something uh, that's true fic- fiction about a real-life character or anything else or any other area besides mystery? Would anybody write, you know, do you not, I don't mean comedy or romance or stuff like that, but you, um, Lee, you sometimes you add a little humor to yours, and Charles, yeah, you add no, humor to yours. I think all my books. How do you, do, how do, you do that and, and keep me reading it because I can't well, stop? I'm fun, so uh, it's just natural. Um, no, I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I'm generally, even though I write some gruesome, effed up stuff, like, I'm generally just like a funny, happy-go-lucky type person, so... That um, that's yeah, I mean, it, it just naturally seeps into my books. And it's just all, like, balance, too. Like, if something that's so depressing, uh, it's tough mm. for somebody to kind of get through that for 400 pages. So I, I think, you know, a little humor here and there is always good just to kind of balance it out. Um, and then, I mean, I've always explored in different genres, too. Like, I have a YA series. Mm. I've done sci-fi. Um, so it's really just whatever challenges myself. Like I, I did it because I wanted a break from killing people in my books in all honesty. Like I, I just needed a minute off of writing about people doing horrible things to one another. So my young adult series kind of came out of that. Like I, I, I just wanted a reprieve where people were being a little nicer to each other in, in the books. Yeah, well, that that's true. That is very true. It's hard. You know, you know what the hardest thing is, and I don't know if you ever had to review a book or do like that. Would you ever read a book that by the time you got done reading it, you say to yourself, why did I read it? This is awful. The characters make no sense. Or it's just so yeah. depressing. Uh, like, like I said before, the one I'm reading, I mean, I just started it, and I'm like, oh, I have to interview the author. How am I going to do that? And um, I just finished, it's interesting, Douglas Preston, a Lincoln child, wrote one about a parallel universe. Ooh. About a machine. Yeah, yeah, it's, let me tell you, it's got eight plots. I got them all. And, yeah, okay. they go back to 1880 in a time machine. So would you ever do something like that? I actually looked up parallel universes. I actually looked up how you would create a machine. I did the research myself on the technology, so when I asked the questions, I'll know that you don't have an idea. Would you, did you ever write something that's so out of your comfort zone that you wonder why you wrote it, but it came out good? Yes. Yeah, so my my new book, actually, the the one I just finished, it takes place in a cult, and it has some sci-fi connections. And in book two, mm-hmm. there's a plot line with parallel universes where one character either mm-hmm. believes he's or actually does you don't quite know for a good chunk of it um but it was really fascinating and i was kind of reading a lot of books like um there's like a really great blake crouch book about parallel universes uh so that that really influenced me and it was just a fun 
like anything could happen in a parallel universe. So it was a really cool thing to explore in a book where it's like you can really do anything. Yeah, it's, you, it's you know, scary Fred, because they go back to 1800s and one of them sees her old, her little self, her younger self. She tries to save her younger self even though she's there. It's a whole thing. What about anybody else? Would you write about a parallel universe? I have enough trouble writing about this universe. I'm not going to tackle a parallel <laughs> one. <laughs> um, but, you know, Fran, you, you asked – the earlier part of your question was really interesting about, about um, reading a book and thinking, oh, you know, I, I can't read anymore. This is horrible. Yeah. One of the most right. common questions I get from students or if I'm reading the manuscript is, mm-hmm. is this publishable? And my answer yeah. is this. For years – I reviewed books for the New York Times, probably between 50 and 100 books for the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And I wow. always read them all the way through because I felt responsible. And I'd read them and I'd say, what editor in his right or her right mind ever mm-hmm. wanted to publish this book? It's so bad. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, does, it does happen. And when you're a book reviewer, or probably an editor or an agent yeah. too, you see it happen all the time. And I guess there are some, either it's taste or it's an editor who thinks, oh, this is a good sh- subject. I think there's a market for this. So the answer to your question is absolutely yes. I read books all the time where um, I think whoever, mm-hmm. how did this get published? Well, some of them pay to get it published, so self-publishing, depending on right, where you bring it yeah. to. Not not, not the mm-hmm. one that I use, but some of them will just say, well, you know what, for $20,000, don't worry about it, we're going to publish it. I think the worst thing that ever happened, and I don't know, Charles, but everybody that reviews books, um, was this girl wrote a trilogy, and the third one had, and I counted them, 795 spelling and grammar errors. And there were 45 pages that were repeated. And I said, you need to have your book re-edited. You paid a ton of money. I will not review this book because I won't give her, you know, I won't do that. She said, well, why won't I get five stars? I said, if I publish it on Amazon, you're getting one star. This is a disaster. You need to fix it. And she thought I was crazy. You did her a favor. You did her a favor. Yeah, I did her a favor, but I don't think she even – she said, well, I think it's a five-star book. I said, I think you need to read the book and realize (laughs) that I circled, and I I was going to, you know, photocopy the book and send it to her. 795 spelling errors. You repeated like 20 or 30 pages. I'm doing you a favor before somebody tells you your book is not worth reading. She, She didn't quite get it. I tried. I mean, what do you do when something is really – I don't post negative reviews. I don't know about the rest of you. I don't know if Jeff, if you review or Lee reviews. But all I know is that if it's really – and it's only happened twice. If a book is really bad and I really feel I can't put my name on the review, I'll either write a summary or I'll tell the author I'm really sorry. Yeah, I mean, how do you, I how do you handle that? I won't do something nasty and say, your book is horrible. Oh, my God, I'm going to stick it under the, my pillow and, and never look at it. What do you do? Yeah, I, I have the same. I mean, I don't do a whole lot of reviewing, but I, I am asked sometimes to leave reviews, and I, I have the same policy. I think, I think it was Rick, Rior- Rick Riordan at some point. I read him saying that you know mm-hmm. he'll recommend books, but he thinks that you know the internet has enough negative reviews out there without him mm-hmm. adding his. And uh, I think yeah. that that's kind of where I am on that as well. Uh, I, what I, about I, when I, I stopped reviewing, but I stopped reviewing yeah. books, fiction. 
when I started writing fiction because um, I just didn't, you know, because the last thing you want is to review someone's book who then takes it after you. And I think that that there are, uh, the the New York Times was great. If you had any possible connection to the writer, they wanted you to tell them and they would, they would reassign you another book. Um, Mm -hmm. But you see that all the time. But as, as a professional reviewer or someone who's reviewing something that they don't write, if they're an expert on something, it, it is, I think you, if you're going to do it, you owe it to the reader to give your mm-hmm. honest opinion. And it's just your yeah, opinion. Yeah, that I do. And, and it's just, but I really, um, I, I think that what you're doing for, for what you're doing, Fran, is absolutely right. Why, you know how hard it is to write books and how hard it is for writers yeah. to, to make it in the world. And the last thing, mm-hmm. you're being really honest in a way, the last thing you, you want to do is write a bad review about someone. You, you just don't review it at all. Um, and, and I think that's a good policy. You don't because, you know what, somebody else might like it, and that person worked really, really hard to do it. I mean, I think the worst thing that happened to me, and it must have happened to all of you, if you ever, do you ever ask to read a book before and give an opinion? And All the time. I, did. I just did it. I did, and I said to the author, before you have me read your book, which was 9,000 million pages, I said, I want you to know that I'm going to tell you honestly what I think you can do to fix it. I'm not going to tell you that it's bad, and he's not talking to me anymore. And I didn't write anything mm-hmm. negative. I just said, in this, these chapters should be reversed, or your time periods are a little off, or... Um, I didn't write anything really negative, horrible. I just said if you rework the, this particular chapter and you put it someplace else, it would sound better. So he's not talking to me. I mean, well, I didn't say you know, Claire, Bo- Claire Booth Luce said it best, no good deed goes unpunished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that, this, that, that, that's exactly the point. So what does everybody have coming out? Because, let's see, I finished the Douglas Preston Lincoln Child book. is called The Cabinet of Dr. Lang. Be Tune in in um, January when they're supposed to. They're going to be doing something on January 26th. They're going to talk about it. Um, I'm doing a panel with Charles. I think you're in on this one. And so is Vincent. Um, and so is Dick, if everything, if he can. <laughs> and um, so is, is somebody else. Yeah. Oh, David Putnam. And we're going to talk about writing style. Because uh, Philip Mongolin wants to talk about how he writes like Agatha Christie, but I don't know if he's going to be on that one. <laughs> and I also want to do a panel, if anybody wants to do it, on being wrongly accused. And it doesn't have to be somebody real. It could be anything. So what's anybody coming got coming out that I didn't get yet that I'm going to get to connect you to my pile of books inside? Um, anybody have my next one is coming, coming out. Yeah, I, I have uh, end of April. I have a book coming out called Man on the Run, which is kind okay. of I don't call it a sequel, but it's kind of a continuation of Second Story Man. It it takes um, Francis Hoyt, oh, one good. of the main characters, and it it tells what happens to him after that other book ends, and that'll be out the end of April. Well, don't forget to remind me and set up an interview because I will. I'll send you. I, don't, I have nothing, you. people. I have nothing until March. I have never had this happen before. I just have about three or four interviews every single day from starting the beginning of December all the way to the end of February. I've never been this popular, but it but it feels good. <laughs> um, Jeff, do you have something coming out? 
Anything yeah, that unfortunately, I, don't I kind know of take about? it a little bit of a step sideways, and I wrote uh, sort of a literary story about two elementary school teachers who have kind of a long oh, good. relationship Mike over the course of a over the course of many years. So it's you know we talk about writing in different styles. It's kind of halfway between literary fiction and and more of a contemporary romance, you know. So it's kind of a new a new genre mm. for me, and I'm not really sure if I'm going to come out with it or if I'm going to wait and, and uh, do something through a publisher so I am so unfortunately it's not going to be in your hands anytime soon I am working on a thriller oh. kind of right behind it and I will I'll definitely kind of let you know as I have something ready but so I've got stories out there but or I've got stories but they're not quite out there right uh, at the time right now well if you're writing about school and education that's my field uh, Lee what do you got for me coming out after the desire so the desire card is done after five books. There there won't be any more. Um, and for the first time in a long time, I actually don't have anything else on the docket. Um, I have books on submission right now, so I'm just kind of waiting to hear. But all the desire books um, will be released in audio next year, so those will be coming out. Um, and the mentor also, after about five years, they're finally doing an audio version, so that will be coming out uh, around Christmas. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been fun. Um, I appreciate everything. This is beautiful. It's a beautiful day. I don't know where you guys are, but the sun is finally shining. It's like, I don't know, you're in New York, aren't you, Lee? And, and, yeah, it's and like the half It's yeah. freezing here. It's snowing it's in Michigan, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's, it's freezing. The sky is like a little sunny because I don't care. But everybody, have a great day. Thank you so much. This has been fun and very Thanks interesting. Thanks again, Fran. Absolutely. Thanks, Okay, Fran. everybody yeah. have a great Thanks. day. And bye.